Hey, St. Louis, it's Tom Karani. This is Will Rooney. And we are back with the old podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Good Glad to you're s- back with us. Yeah, good to see you guys. Um, Will and I are going to be kind of casual today. We, we wanted to... Uh, part of the purpose of this podcast is to kind of tell the story of St. Louis. And so that means uh, highlighting some of her people and her people's stories um, that you may not know because we all, we all do have a story Mm. and we've all got a reason that we're here and we've all got a reason that we're, yeah, that we're in Austin, that we celebrate this faith um, that we're here together. And so it's important to share that, uh, that story because inevitably um, God works and, and it's revealed in story in our stories in our lives. Uh, It's actually really funny when I was, um, was at my last parish in Houston I was leading this reflection session and I asked a group of parents, adults, uh, what has God done for you in your life? Mm. And literally no one could answer it. I was like shocked. I was like, literally you could say like, uh, my spouse sitting right here, that's a gift from God. But I think that it's hard for people to, um, develop like an eyesight where they see God's work in their lives, God's presence mm-hmm. in their lives. And so I think this is, we, when we practice telling our story or when we hear other people tell their story, we hear a little bit of ourselves in it sometimes. We're like, oh yeah, that's God working in my life? Oh, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. You know, we, we can like recognize it a little more. Um, so I, I just want to take some time and share our story, Will, yeah. uh, with the people. So um, so why why are you Catholic? Why did you? Why are you in the seminary, Will? Like, not only are you Catholic, you've committed. <laughs> you've committed to seminary. I've committed to seminary. Um, well, uh, I, so I want to start off by saying I was a pagan for four months of my life. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not proud of those days. It's from, really important not to laugh at people's stories, but I just find that really from funny. From July, it was meant to be laughed at. From July to October of uh, 1991, I was. I was not. Uh, Catholic. Oh my god! For four months. Uh, if you're not understanding this, people, this is the month between Will's birth and his baptism. And my baptism. Lord have mercy. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I stole that from a friend of mine in seminary, actually. But uh, I mean, I really think that it, it really well it begins much before that. But I guess I came on the scene um, then, right? Um, I mean, my family's Catholic. Um, my mom converted when she married my dad, oh, but cool. my, my dad's family has been Catholic as far as anyone can remember. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to point to baptism first. Um, I think that's important to remember. If you're asking my, uh, cognizant or the, the, the part of my story yeah, that I'm actually fast cogn- forward a little bit. Yeah. Here. Um, so we'll fast forward maybe to, to when I was seven or eight years old, I thought, uh, about being a priest. Um, I remember, um, saying, uh, wow, the priest does some amazing things. I was an altar server, and it was just something very beautiful. I always loved the faith, and uh, my my family, or my mom especially, tells me that that's always kind of been the the, the case with me. Um, there's a little picture of me actually sitting in the, the presider's chair at my home parish. Yes, dude, and nice. When I was like uh, four or five years old. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, no, and then... Um, might have to bring that picture to here to work, and we'll publish it in the bulletin. Yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll find out about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Uh, now that doesn't mean that I didn't struggle along the way. Um, definitely in middle school and high school, uh, had a lot of questions. But I always, my family was just going to Sunday mass wasn't 
wasn't an optional thing. Um, you went to mass and that was what was expected of you and sure. and that kind of thing. So, um, but I, so I guess though, when I first realized that faith was more than just showing up at mass and enjoying being with people there, um, was probably when I was about 13 or 14, I was about 14, I think I went on a retreat. Mm-hmm. with our youth group there. Um, and, you know, I'd always loved learning about the faith. Um, I'm kind of, the Lord's given me a little bit of a gift of um, of, of just love of, of learning in general. Um, I think that came also through my parents. But uh, there was this moment in, in ninth grade on that retreat um, during adoration, uh, and I, I hadn't gone to confession in a number of years. Um, though we went to mass every Sunday, that just wasn't part of our our, our normal habit as a family, right? And uh, and I I was able to go to confession, um, and the priest there really really did an amazing job of um, being the instrument of the Lord and showing me. The, the mercy of the Father, mm. um, uh, just showing me the mercy, welcoming me back, um, inviting me to deeper relationship with Him or with the with the Lord. Um, and uh, ever since then, there's kind of been that, that I kind of point to that moment, um, not as if I wasn't going the right direction uh, already. Um, you know, I think that there's a providence of God that, that has been in my life that continued to point me, um, kept me, I guess I should say, not as if I wasn't going sort of in the right way. Sure, right? yeah. But um, but it was a conversion. It was a moment of, oh, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Um, and that ca- became my, um, it became what I wanted to be my overarching goal mm-hmm. in life. That didn't. That does not mean that it was from that moment onwards always the end of all of my activities. Yeah. Um, but I, I, there was a kind of a, a pull. Uh, a, a, um, I encountered a great beauty and a great love, and I, I wanted to pursue it. Um, and so it, it re- really redirected a lot of my. Um, or a lot of my my actions, mm. um, you know, it really caused me to to um, look at my life and and to begin to look at my life and to say, okay, Lord, where are those where are those parts of my life that are sinful, mm-hmm. and help me to to get out of those habits of sin right. and to to follow you more closely. Yeah. So that kind of led uh, throughout high school. Um, there's this kind of back and forth struggle of trying to follow the Lord, but not really following him very well. High school, am I right? Yeah, high school or college. Uh, you know, and, and so that back and forth and coming back to the Lord and uh, being involved in youth group. And I, I, one of the best gifts that I had um, in late high school and early college was a tremendous group of friends who... Um, for the most part, are, are all still Catholic today, um, who who so we supported each other in faith. I mean, and you know, just just tried to live a holy life um, and failed a lot, but sure. tried. Yeah. Uh, and so, as I entered college, um, uh, you know, 
there was a commitment there to continue to follow Jesus. Um, and I, and I remember at the end of high school, um, thinking to myself, Oh, you know, those thoughts about being a priest that keep coming back over and over and Mm -hmm. over again, that started when I was little. Um, and that in different moments throughout my life, I had come back to, um, maybe, maybe God's calling me to be a priest. And at that juncture in my life, I didn't really have a consistent prayer life. Even though I was trying to follow the Lord, I wasn't, I wasn't really like committed on a personal level to have the discipline to, to pray on a daily basis. And it's really hard to discern, uh, when you don't have a consistent prayer life. And so, um, I, I didn't, I decided not to go to seminary, uh, because A&M had always been what I wanted to do. And, um, I, w- I went into A&M um, thinking that I was going to be a, uh, a veterinarian. I oh, was really? double majoring in uh, ag engineering and um, ag engineering and poultry science. I raised turkeys and chickens growing up for 4-H and FFA. Um, and so uh, so I I started off there and I was doing doing great my, my freshman year and then after my freshman year, I got an internship with a um, a poultry company, um, uh, and I went to that internship, and everything went wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, they they changed where I was going to be. Oh man! They the management had changed like the two weeks before we started. <laughs> it was just really, really yeah. not what I expected. Terrible, right? And um, yeah, it, I was miserable, just miserable there, um, and I. Uh, we talking with my parents and and stuff like that. Um, I came to the decision for the first time in my life that I was going to quit something in the middle, in the middle of something. Right. Not, yeah. You know, this was like the first time I had said I'm quitting this, not without a like a normal break. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm tired of doing this. Like in orchestra in seventh grade, I said, or in, in seventh grade, I said I'm tired of doing orchestra. Yeah. I'm done with this. You know, but it was at a semester break. It wasn't like sure. In, right in the middle of the thing. Um, and so it was, it was kind of one of those moments of like, uh, Lord, I don't know what you're leading me here to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty miserable. And so I, um, because of, because I quit, uh, I was like, well, I need to find another thing to do. Uh, and I, I eventually found a job working at A&M in an engineering lab, um, and taking some classes as well. But I also had a lot of free time. Mm. Um, and that free time ended up leading me, uh, back to my home parish and working with the youth group there, um, and especially the middle schoolers. And at the end of the summer, the parish really needed a youth, uh, a middle school youth minister, but they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So they hired myself and my best friend as part-time college students who they could pay nice nothing Not, and yeah. very I mean, little. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but yeah, so that was really providential because the, the pastor really took a went out on a limb. I mean, two 19 year olds running a, a middle school yeah, youth dude. group, right? I don't know now, if I would have uh, yeah, recommended that. I, I think about myself, uh, you know, at 19, and I ask myself if I would have hired myself, but, um, but it, it happened and it worked. It was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity. Um, and what I, what I realized was that um, even in the moments when I didn't like, what was happening at the church. Yeah. I mean, working at the church is like working anywhere else. There's uh, politics, there's bureaucracy, there's um, difficulties. Um, in that sense, it's like working anywhere else. 
Um, but it's also um, what I realized was even in the midst of those kind of difficulties, I really loved what I was doing. Yeah. I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. to, to get to preach the gospel. I loved to, to be with those kids, to be with family, to different families throughout the, mm-hmm. the, the church and to organize things like that and to, to make him known in that way. And, uh, and so I, that kind of was a, um, as I was discerning or as I wasn't, I hadn't really started discerning, I guess, but I was discerning by doing that. Um, I kind of found this kind of priestly heart developing in me and myself, um, and throughout the rest of college that continued to develop and to develop. And I started to get more and more seriously, um, more and more serious about going into seminary and, uh, more and more serious about prayer and asking myself, am I, am I called to, uh, to go to seminary and am I called to the priesthood? And, uh, my senior year, well, my junior year, uh, second semester, I took a class called Anatomy and Physiology. I, I thought after the final, I was like, I'm going to get a C in this class for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have been my uh, my only C. I, I don't know. Somehow I got a B in that class and it was the the hardest earned grade that I'd ever gotten in the in, at A&M. Mm-hmm. And I just realized like, it wasn't, it was, it was like God was saying, if you want to be a doctor, well, that's fine. You can, you can definitely do that. Sure. Um, but Hey, you should, you should also look at this other thing. Um, because as that was happening, right. Uh, I was also kind of falling more and more in love with the idea or with the priesthood, you know, the, the, sure. the heart of Jesus, the fall of my senior year of college, I was going to the engineering career fair actually. And I, I went to adoration and I had my suit and tie on and I had my resumes printed and I came out of adoration. I was like, I'm not going to go to the career fair. And uh, I asked for the application to seminary. Cool. Now that was, and that was a step. And, um, seminary has been an amazing adventure. I've grown tremendously in seminary as a human being and as a follower of Jesus. Cool, man. Well, that's awesome. That's really great. And so it's brought you here to St. Louis. And yeah, I mean the bishop sent me here, right? Yeah. So, um, which is a pretty cool thing when you when yeah. you consider it um, that I've been sent here just to to be a part of this community to yeah. serve this community. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that is awesome. How about you, Tom? I guess yeah. Well, I guess mine is kind of sort of like yours in, in its origins. Our origin story is kind of the same. Oh, if dude. we were superheroes, we would be kind of the same. Um, so I was born and raised Catholic. I wasn't born Catholic. I was also born a pagan, I suppose. Um, but my family is Catholic and, and, you know, good Catholics by the standard went to mass every week, prayed before dinner. Um, (laughs) you know, it was only when I got into, I mean, yeah, like junior high and high school, my mom, uh, really started to listen to relevant radio. At least as, as that's as far back as I can remember. Maybe she listened to it before that. I don't know. But um, she she actually really started to get into her faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, you know, it would always be on in the background and things like that. And so I don't know why. I, I've never asked her. I should ask her why she started to listen. Um, I think I, like you, have kind of also been always intrigued, always in love with the church and with this faith. Um, I can remember when I was little like 
taking a bowl of water with a fork and like going around and blessing the house, like, <laughs> like the TV. Like I would sprinkle water all over uh, and like sing it's church songs and stuff. Um, I also remember, you, you know that like that wafer bread that some parishes hand out at Christmas? It's called a plotki. It's like, it's like communion wafer bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would always, uh, you're supposed to leave like a $3 donation, but I was like, you know, eight. So I didn't have $3. $3. Yeah, That's dude, like I just, all the money I have in the world. I just took that. I just took that bread and I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll pay this God, back. God, the Father of mercies through the death of his <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, folks. I'm not yeah, a priest. You can't do that yet. So, and I would like serve it at dinner. I don't know. Whatever, man. I was, I was a weird kid, but I just like, I love mm. the church and I, I also played on the altar after all the masses and like, I don't know. Like I just loved. It's a good thing. We're not in the old Testament folks. Both of us would have been struck dead oh, several man. times. I know you can't play on that altar. Um, but like we were close to priests. It was just normal to be Catholic for me. Mm. Um, and so I went to Catholic school and I, and I distinctly remember the day in Miss Huber's religion class. I was in, I was in fifth grade since I was 10. Um, I don't remember what we were studying or reading, but I remember sitting at my desk, uh, just having a moment with God. Like I didn't like, maybe I prayed regularly. I don't even remember what my prayer life was like. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I had one. I still don't. Um, but, uh, I remember vividly, um, somehow hearing the Lord say, I need you to work for this church. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know if it was like priest. I didn't know if what it, I didn't know what it meant. Um, but in that moment I was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Wow. I don't know why. And I don't know how, but it's like the most certain I've ever been in my whole life about anything. Really? Yeah. Like no joke. It was so weird. And I tell people that, no, you were 10. I was like, I know it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. I would not. If you think that anyone is too young to discern their vocation, look at Tom Cron. You're (laughs) No, don't. I'm not a great example for very much. Um, so I guess I just kind of, that was just kind of a sure thing in my mind. And so um, I was a decent student. I got A's and B's, but I always focused on my religion classes, always focused on theology. Like, I don't know. I just had like a propensity for it. And so when I got to high school, I became, uh, I joined the student ministry team. It was just like a group of peer ministers. And yeah. In high school, it didn't really mean anything. It was just like another club. And we met Friday mornings and we prayed together. And my friends who were not like the most religious people or faithful people, who I love dearly, uh, who still are not the most religious or faithful people, they'd always call me like Pope Tom and stuff like that, Father Tom. Um, and, and I was for a while discerning the priesthood, uh, especially coming out of grade school and going into high school. Um, I was like pretty darn certain that I was going to be go to seminary. Sure. Um, especially my junior year of high school, I was like going to daily mass. Uh, it was, I was, I was on fire, dude. It was incredible. <laughs> Sometimes I look at that 16 year old Tom and I'm like, man, can I have some of that back please? That was, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I talked to my, one of my parish priests and he was like, you know, this is really good. Uh, he's like, and if God wants you there, he'll, he'll bring you there, but go to college. He's mm-hmm. like, study for your, university like don't go right out of high school Uh, he's like those kids are weird man i I hung out with them but he was kind of joking he's just like just have the normal experience Mm -hmm. um study theology but like make friends and be a normal kid i was like okay cool 
it's great advice. I trusted this priest very much. And so I decided to go to uh, the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. It was between CUA and Franciscan and Creighton and St. Thomas in Minnesota. He didn't know about Texas A&M, guys. Well, yeah, but also it's not like a Catholic. I mean, it's Catholic. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Texas, in my mind, was not even an, like, who goes to Texas? I was like, I'll move back to Chicago eventually. It's where I'm from. Um, so I went to CUA for four years. I studied theology. Um, and while I was there, I, I became a, I was a student minister. Um, and so, because like, to me, it was like, well, this is just what I do. Like, this is just what the God kid does. He just joins student ministry. You know, he just like hangs out with people and talks to them about God and listens to their stories. That's all I wanted to do. Was just hear people's story and tell them about mine. Um, and so when I started a Catholic, I, started studying theology and I literally like no joke I lost my faith mm. because everything was so in the head. Everything was so scientific. And I remember calling my youth minister from home being like, David, what the hell is going on, dude? Like I made a big gamble coming out here. DC is far from home. And he's like, well, are you praying? I was like, well, no. And he's like, well, you're an idiot. You need to pray and study. And so I, I started to kind of pray and um, the Lord just kind of, took off from there. And so I started the student ministry thing and I really fell in love with serving God's people. Um, and then I heard about this echo program. Uh, it's like it trains it's through the university of Notre Dame, basically a program that trains professional ministers for the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, so I got my master's degree in theology from Notre Dame while serving in a parish for two years. And, um, while I was at this parish in Houston, which is when the Texas love affair started, um, sorry, Chicago. Sorry, Illinois. <laughs> when I started serving at this parish in Houston, I, uh, I really fell in love with teaching. Uh, and I fell in love with sharing the gospel. It was really the first time I learned like, okay, why do we teach people? What is the basic gospel message that people need to hear? Um, and I found out that I needed to hear it over and over and over again. Um, I mean, I'm 25, right? Like you're 26. Uh, my faith journey is just starting. And I need to hear that gospel message every day. Um, and so after serving at that parish in Houston for a while, I, 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 I fell in love with the parish. I was like, the parish is where people go to die. Like, it's just for old people, man. Like whatever. I thought it was going to be like campus ministry where all the cool kids are, but I, but I fell in love with the, like the range of life experiences that you serve in a parish. You know, you got your young people, you got your, your older people, you got your families. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's just really cool to see God's spirit alive in a mm. parish. And so, yeah, God, God put St. Louis in my lap. Um, I mean, the interview process was tough and like, I had to work hard to, <laughs> to get here, but like, it's all <laughs> literally, it's all just worked out. I give it to God and it just, it works. And that's, mm. that's kind of how I know it's his will. I don't think priesthood is for me anymore. I think that God has really called me to this, life of a lay person, um, to really share the gospel message, um, as a, as a man, as a married man in his family and in the world in mm -hmm. places where priests can't go, um, in a way that priests can't share it. So yeah, it's just been kind of a steady mountain climb for me. Neither of us have ever really had like huge conversion moments. Um, I mean like they've been there along the way, but some yeah. people like go from a life of atheism to a life of deep faith. Yeah. That's great. I guess if you're saying like I, we both neither of us have ever like said screw this we're not going to mass you know yeah right yeah. and I guess I guess we've never really totally fallen away and then 
yeah. rediscovered God. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, of course we, we need to be converted every day, but I just, I think it's really interesting because I think a lot of people like us, cradle Catholics, um, can be jealous of people who are, have these like rocket ship conversion moments, mm. you know, where they're like, holy crap, my life is terrible. I need to turn it around. Sure. Because we're like, oh, that person is so on fire. Like, yeah, my faith is so boring. It's more like a steady mountain climb. Yeah. I mean, it's but re- both are totally valid. Yeah. And, and actually I think that we're, we're, we're both, there's a line actually, um, in our last, in one of our, our, our past podcasts, uh, um, I don't remember exactly when, uh, we talked about the Henry Nowen's book, um, the return of the prodigal son. Yeah. And, uh, there's a line in there and I, I, I want to hit, I, I hesitate to articulate exactly what it is, but in paraphrase, it says, um, when we look at the parable, we often see ourselves as either the, the younger son or the older son. Right. Right. And that's, that's okay. Right. Like you can identify with either one of those. Um, but what we're called to, is the father to be the father? Yeah, to see ourselves to as the see father. ourselves to in the image and likeness of of God, right? Yeah, to become because a son becomes a father. That's the natural progression of that of that of that idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that often the temptation for cradle Catholics is to say, you know, Lord, why haven't you done this amazing miracle in my life and converted me? Uh, you know, converted me, and it's like. Uh, you fool. You fool. He already did that when well, you were... And the amazing miracle is that you've yeah. had this steady faith. Right. And yeah, I mean, that, exactly. People, yeah, we, we forget. Yeah. We, um, that was one of my favorite things to, to think about in, in um, when you think about the providence of God, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, and Robert Behrens uh, likes to talk about the, the grace comes first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grace is always first. You know, that God is has the initiative. He's... He's already uh, looking out yeah. for how he's he's working out our salvation mm-hmm. before we even we even know about it. Exactly, um, and that's what I love about uh, about hearing your story, Tom. And, and um, it's so clear that you look at the providence of God. You look at how He, in that moment, um, kind of spoke to you when you were ten years old, or but even before that, right? Like He. He brought you into a family that uh, that took you to mass. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I I think if we all look deep enough, it doesn't really matter if we we're in a family that took us to mass or if we didn't, or if we were born in a family that didn't have any faith and we came to faith later, or even if we don't have faith right now, mm-hmm. um, if we look deep enough, we see the threads of God's providence running through our life. And our, the problem is that we just don't pay attention. Exactly. We, we're not paying attention. Um, that the, the story of salvation mm-hmm. isn't, isn't something that's like a bunch of historical facts in the past, mm-hmm. right? That it's our story. You know, that all those yeah. stories in the Bible are meant to, meant to show us how to look at our lives uh, I mean, look at our lives and see God's work in our lives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think this is this is just something for us all to reflect on, for you, dear listener, to reflect on is is what's uh, what's God's role in my life? Because because God does have a plan for all of our lives. Yeah, He does. And even when it feels like He's not around or doesn't really give a crap, um, He's there. Yeah. And He's got a plan. 
um, to bring you to a deeper encounter with him. Yeah. The point of this episode was to say <laughs> that uh, we all have a story and God reveals himself every day to us. Yeah, and, every moment. Every and moment. it's really important that we stay aware to, uh, to what God is working in our lives so that um, we can move towards gratitude. Yeah. Um, so that we can thank him and love him and, and worship him. Um, because that is what is due to God. Yep. Amen. God's providence has you in it and he loves you and he wants your salvation. So choose him. That's it. All right, y'all. We hope you have a wonderful, uh, rest of your day. I don't know if it's the night, have a great night. If it's the morning, have a wonderful morning. If it's, and if it's the afternoon, have a lunch beer. Lunch beers are good. (laughs) Then have a coffee. Yeah. So you don't fall asleep. Hey, pray for us at St. Louis. We're praying for you. We love you. And we'll see you soon. Bye.